Hi guys, it's Kara, host of Everyone's Business But Mine. And let's be real, one thing that makes the show possible is by selling sponsorships to advertisers. One way you can support us in getting more sponsors is by telling us a little bit more about yourself. You can do that by filling out a quick survey at the link in the show description. Plus, your answers are anonymous. They'll help us learn what you love most about the show and how to make it even better. The questions will ask you about the things that help advertisers understand the audience. It'll only take a few minutes, and it's an easy way to help the show. So you can find the link in the show description. Thank you so much, and stay tuned for the rest of the show. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. My family has lots of trucks. So if you need like a truck bed, I'd love to help. Yeah? I got a good job. That's so nice, Hannah. Thanks. Are you going to let her help you move? What? You're gonna let her help you move? Who? She is offering to help you move the furniture. Oh, no, thank you. <laughs> oh, no, you don't need it? No, oh, that's no, thank fine. you. <laughs> I mean, she was just being nice about it. It's not exactly in his culture to have a single woman over at his apartment. It seems like my mom is just really insecure about the fact that a pretty woman is trying to help Ziet. And Hannah's not meaning to be disrespectful whatsoever. Hannah's just trying to be genuinely helpful. I don't think it's going to end good if she's starting to be possessive like that. recently that I didn't want to be an advocate of plural marriage anymore because I am more aware now than I ever was before the apparent and obvious unfairness in the relationship. Some are up, some are down, but it's, you know, it's always changing. I know. I have all the love I want, and you guys sometimes feel like you're pining constantly for me to, you know, give you some. I mean, the other day I was having dinner with Logan and I was like going, I have really messed this up. We, we came into this by way of commandment. We felt like we were supposed to live it and we had an ideal that it was a better way. And 
and come to a stark reality of the struggle that it is. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Everyone's Business But Mine with me, Cara Berry, 90 Day Fiance Edition. Ugh, you guys, I think I might be just like emotionally tapped out on 90 Day Fiance. I don't know if I'm going to recap it any longer. Ugh. <laughs> I am finding that watching these episodes as somebody who has to recap it is like a real slog for me and I don't think my heart's in it anymore I don't think it is so I'm gonna have to reevaluate whether or not I want to keep recapping I guess I'll keep doing it until the season is over but after that no promises y'all I'm sorry apologies in advance so let's talk about the episode Ugh, everybody was horrible and back again, I'm feeling really bad for Natalie. I'm feeling bad for Natalie again, and I'm team forever fuck Mike. Because here's the thing. Mike knew prior to allowing Natalie to come over to America that he was not in this relationship. Like, he, to what I am with 90 Day Fiance, Mike is to Natalie. And... The fact that he still continued to let her come, even though I really don't think he had any investment in their relationship, definitely not them getting married, I just think it's unfair. Even if, like, Natalie obviously knows that there are issues between them, and she can be a nasty little son of a gun, and it looks like she's going to revert back to that next week, and I'm going to have to say, like, Mike might have a point, but I also feel like Natalie reacts and I think she's somebody who listen Mike's not not Mike is not an, a, a good communicator it's not as though Mike is acting like the healthiest mo most communicative person in the world and Natalie is just like off making out with trees right it's like i think that natalie is reacting to all of the passive aggressive shit that mike does to her and i think that's like the only way she knows how to get a rise out of him is it healthy absolutely not but like neither is what he's doing you know and again it's like she gets the worst rap because she is the one who is louder and she goes to nastier places than Mike does. But that doesn't make him a better person. It does not make him a better person. So they start off in the car on the way to go to eat. So Mike can get another uh, free meal off of the 90-day production uh, uh, budget. So Mike's like, oh, what new English word did you learn today? And Natalie says, controversial kind of like our relationship and I'm like yeah you know <laughs> she's not wrong on that so they're halfway through they're like 40 something days into uh the k1 visa Natalie's like you know there's still no ring and I'm excuse me I'm frustrated and it feels like we're running out of time and what we're doing now with our relationship is not working so they sit down for dinner and Natalie, you know, she wants to talk about the wedding. And this is something that, like, I 
listen, I don't think that anything she does is mature, but I see how we get to this point. So she wants to talk about the wedding. But frankly, like we have to remember that Mike did agree, like they've set a date. They'd agreed to move to the next step by setting a date. So it's not like totally off the rails that she might want to talk about the wedding. And so she's like, you know, I don't have a dress. And he's like, well, I don't have a suit yet. So like, we're both in the same place. Right. And, um, so Natalie asks him how he feels and he says, you know, we have a lot to work on. So Natalie's like, okay, well, why don't we go to a therapist? No. Mike has no desire to do that. He doesn't want to go. He's like totally 0% invested on going to the therapist. Mike is rolling his eyes. He says, you know, I don't know why we can't just work it out on our own. And it's like, well, because you're not working it out on your own. Neither of you are really trying. Neither of you guys are saying the quiet things out loud. You're not addressing the elephant in the room. And I think he is so resentful of her, but it's not really making a whole lot of sense. Like the more he keeps being angry at her, but then not communicating that, like the less I give a shit about Mike, frankly. And the more I side with Natalie because He's not helping. He's not helping. And like being passive aggressive and like nasty to her isn't you trying to progress this relationship forward or just calling it, you know? If you want to break up with her so badly and you clearly do, fucking call it, dude. Get a ticket to have her go back to Ukraine. So later we see them like another day, they're making dinner and Mike's like, you know, why don't we just like have a couple drinks? Why don't we, you know, get drunk, let loose? And Natalie's like, what is this loose? <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's like, okay, I understand kind of what you're trying to go. It's like, let's ignore everything and just try to have a good time. And I get it. Because, you know, sometimes you get into these relationships where you know that you're on the end of the rope with each other and your relationship is not about having a good time and you're just like in this cycle of like nastiness and okay fine you want to have fun but like y'all aren't really in the place like we're not on the playground man I'm not trying to have fun with you right now so and we also know Natalie doesn't drink so all of a sudden you think she's gonna want to like get drunk with you no (laughs) you know the answer to this dude is like he's setting himself up to be like oh well see you're like i'm just trying to have fun but like she doesn't want to do this she's such a stick in the mud but it's like you know she doesn't drink so why would you even suggest like let's get drunk and you think all of a sudden she's gonna want to be pounding you know sam adams with you no (laughs) so Natalie still wants to go to counseling and Mike is talking about how annoying it is like she wants to you know better their relationship and you know why doesn't she just want to have fun with me she's just being like she just keeps hounding me about you know wanting to get therapy can you imagine what a monster she is what an absolute monster suddenly the next day we're going over to the squim supercuts to get our hair cut for the 70th time this season and talk to Jane. 
apparently the only person that Mike seems to enjoy. So she is like, you know, how are things going? How long has Natalie been here? And, you know, he's like, she's been here six weeks and it's not going well. It's not going well at all. And so Natalie's like, oh, do you want to go on a date? Just kidding. Huh? Except not. Um, And then she's like, well, what's like going on here? And he's like, you know, just blah, blah, blah. And, you know, she wants to go to counseling. And, ugh, like, can you imagine? Like, ugh. Like, he's really trying to find, like, um, you know, like a, a, somebody on his side about how ridiculous it might be that she might want to go to therapy. But Jane is like, no, I actually think that's a good idea. You can get some perspective. It might help both of you guys to, like, communicate what it is that you want. And suddenly, Mike turns his opinion around and thinks that this might be a good idea. All of a sudden, they have a uh, appointment set for the following day. Wow. Suddenly now it's a reasonable thing to do. Okay. I like, See? <laughs> you, you don't want to go with the person who you are engaged, question mark, to, but uh, suddenly... A lady with, you know, blonde dyed eyebrows says that it's a good idea and, and we've changed our tune, haven't we? So the next day, Natalie, poor Natalie, this made, this part, they actually made me feel bad for her. They're getting ready. It's like the morning and Natalie, you could tell she's like, oh, thank God we're going to therapy. Like she, you could tell she's visibly, physically excited to go. And Mike's just like a bump on the log, a big six foot seven bump on a log. And they get to the therapy session and the therapist asks a very common question of like what it is that you guys like, what do you guys want to or hope to get out of this therapy session? And Mike with that fucking Bluetooth in his ear and his comb back gelled hair, he says, well, she said the appointment Let's see what she wants to do. (laughs) Like already setting the stage for, I don't want to be here. She's the one who wants to be here. So like, I'll just, just let her talk. Let's just get this over with. Right. And at that moment, like the whole air gets sucked out of the room. The therapist is looking at Natalie. Natalie is looking at Mike. Mike is looking at the door so he can leave. And it's just like, (sighs) Just participate, man. Just participate. You want to talk about all this money that you're spending? Like, uh, you know, I don't want to pay somebody to help us. And like, okay, well, you're spending the money or probably not. It's probably production. But it's just like, ugh, ugh, fuck off. <laughs> um, so Natalie brings up some several good points of like, you know, I came here to America I'm a city girl. It's been really hard for me to adjust to being not only in a whole new country, but now I've gone from the city to the woods and it's a whole lot for me. And, you know, I really want to work on our issues because it's hard enough for me to even be here and adjust to my new life. And so the therapist goes back to Mike and asks him again, you know, like, what is it that you want? And Mike says, you know, I think we're lacking in communication. You think <laughs> you have one Bluetooth in your ear and you're not listening to her with the other one. So, yeah, I think you are lacking in communication would be the least of your worries, frankly. And question, are they having sex still? Because remember when Natalie said that 
you know, their relationship might not be great, but the sex has always been good. If they are still continuing to have sex with each other while all of this shit is happening, like, just, ugh. Ugh. Come on. So, the therapist asks what, you know, like, Natalie, what is it that you would like Mike to know? And she says again, you know, it was hard for her to leave her country and she doesn't really think that Mike listens to her or respects her or really hears what she's saying. And Mike says, you know, I put all everything on hold. I put all my stuff aside to get her here and to get her accustomed to life and adjust. And, you know, I feel like he, she, I don't really feel like Natalie really, um, you know, I, I'm unhappy on my own and I'm struggling internally because I'm too, I, I, he feels like he's doing everything that he can, but to help her, but like, he's unhappy. So Natalie's like, you know, I do want to thank you. Like, I know it was a lot of effort and time and money to do the K1 visa and to get me over here. And I would thank you for that. And then Mike says, I feel like my question hasn't been answered. He didn't ask a question, by the way. I feel like my question hasn't been answered. Why did you come here? Like, sinister? Like, he's trying to catch her in something, right? And Adley's like, well, I'm here because we fell in love. And Mike says, and are we still in love? You talk about marriage and all this stuff, but we're not in love with each other. Ooh. Natalie says that this information is like a bomb, like it's unexpected and it hurts her feelings. And, you know, even when she divorced her ex, he never said, I don't love you anymore. <laughs> oh, girl, that's rough. Um, so Natalie is like, well, do you want me to go home? <laughs> right. And the therapist says, you know, you guys need to uncover what your truth is and figure out what it is that you want. So the therapy session ends. They're outside and production asks Mike, like, what is your ideal world? And he says, you know, I, I want to get married. I want to have a couple kids. I just want to like chill and have, you know, just the classic standard life, wife and kids. Right. And they're like, well, do you see that with Natalie? And he says, I don't know. I'm done. And then he walks away <laughs> and they get in their truck and they leave. Ugh. If you don't love her, just say it. Just say it. Like you're clearly foaming at the mouth and chomping at the bit in order to say it. So just say it. Just say like, I'm not in love with you and I don't want you here because it seems like every minute that you spend with her is absolute torture. So like, why even do that to yourself? If you don't fuck with her, then don't fuck with her. Just let her go. Oh, let me move on. <laughs> Let's move on to Andrew and also Amira. We actually didn't see Amira at all. We just got the Andrew show, you know, his uh, regional theater presentation of sad man who, you know, is acting like he is the victim to his girlfriend getting detained in a Mexican uh, detention center. So finally, after almost two weeks of absolute emotional torture of missing his poor, sweet French fiance, Amira, Andrew's going home. Everybody, are we so sad for him? 
Ugh. He is acting like so upset that Amira is not coming back with him. And we see him. And listen, I know this is like, well, no, fuck that. Fuck that. Okay. I'm going back. No. So he, this is like, I can't remember if they said June or July of 2020. I think it was July. Where he's going back to California from Mexico. So we see him on the plane recording the window seat and saying, this would have been a mirror seat. This dummy has his mask up around his sweaty, hairy, bearded chin as if that's doing anything. When he gets out of the airport, his mask is around that chin of his. And what help is that going to do? What hell is that? He's sick. He's a sick man inside and out. So Andrew's mom comes to pick him up. And, you know, on the way home, she wants to know, like, what's going on with Amira? Did she tell you any information about the detention center? And he's like, you know, um, not really in great detail. We all remember that Amira said he has not asked me anything about my experience, right? We remember that, right? Fuck him. Then he tells his mom, you know, we're tossing around the idea of going to Serbia. He keeps saying we, even though we, the audience, know that he had no intention of going and that he wanted Amira to do this all on her own. So why were we, we, weeing all the way back to our home is beyond me. Somebody in that family has some freaking sense. So his mom, as soon as she says Serbia, she's like, what? <laughs> And she starts asking the important questions. First, she says, I'm kind of surprised that Amira is like brave enough to want to even do this. And he's not saying that Amira is not feeling brave enough to do this. And she's fully got PTSD from being in that detention center. Didn't mention that. Did he? Andrew says, actually, I think it'll be pretty easy. (laughs) He thinks it's going to be, then he says, you know, I think Amira might be carrying a little bit of trauma. Well, there's no such thing as a little bit of trauma. Okay. (laughs) That doesn't exist. It's either you're carrying trauma or you're not. Not just a a little skosh of trauma. Just a little amuse-bouche of trauma here, Andrew. Oh my God, I hate this man. (laughs) I hate this man. I hate this man. So then Andrew's mom's like, you know... I guess if she wants to go to Serbia and try, then she should. But I kind of think this is a waste of money. Agreed. You know what it's also a waste of? Amira's emotional labor. Will anybody think of Amira here? Oh my God. So then he goes back home and he opens the door and we see that awful home goods store like i thought i was back in jackson Brittany's old apartment the blue light blue sign on his front door of his apartment that says a salty pirate and his mermaid lives here that you know that he bought for her Ugh. Ugh. if i didn't want him in jail before like i definitely do now you're a pirate oh god <laughs> so He keeps moping around the apartment and, you know, he's like, I feel like a single man. 
And that's all we needed to hear. That man just told on himself immediately. Like, she didn't come to to America. She didn't come to Mexico. And so now we're done. If you really loved her and cared about her, you would have been asking her how she was doing, trying to find ways to make her feel better. But suddenly you feel like a single man. Telling on yourself, bro. So we go to his room and I guess before he left, he had set up the bedroom to have like a basket of welcome to America gifts for Amira and a big teddy bear that he had given her when they went to Vegas the first time they met and he brought it back and in the gift box he just needs to let us know pointing out all the high ticket items of the iPhone and the $500 gift card that he bought her and then the camera pans to a picture on his shelf in the bedroom a picture of Hannah Mira and next to that was a tiny little wooden sign that said keep calm and garden on send this man to Guantanamo Bay like if I went to a guy's house and he had a keep calm and anything on sign um call a lift I'm sick oh what's that my mom's calling me I have to go home now no you know his dick game is trash (laughs) And you have to leave. There has to be some sort of like Trump era law that restricts this kind of behavior. Like this is madness. This is madness. Okay. Oh my God. So he, Andrew says, you know, again, he starts talking about money again. He's like, you know, I invested. This was another complete tell. Sick that he said this. He says, you know, I've really invested a lot into this relationship uh, financially. And, you know, I gave a significant amount of money from the visa to the ring and travel. So, like, I'm going to get it, do everything I can to get her over here. Not at any point has he talked about, like, how traumatic this whole experience is, how he really feels bad. It's all about him. I'm so sad that she's not sitting next to me. I'm so sad that she wasn't on this vacation with me. I'm so sad because she didn't get the window seat. I'm so sad because now I have to put this gigantic corny ass teddy bear back in the in the closet. I'm so sad because I bought this iPhone for her and I bought this gift card for her and I've invested all this money. And so now I need a return on my investment and have this woman come to America. Not because I love her because I literally just said, I feel like a single man, but because I've put money into this situation and I want to see dividends. He does not give a fuck about her. It's sick. It is absolutely sick. And the fact that he even a few weeks ago tried to act like she was the mastermind behind all of this and that he was just like going along with her plan and you guys are going to see how awful she is and her dad and blah, 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 pointing every finger at her. And I'm just an innocent little boy. Oh, I'm I have a keep calm and garden on sign in my bedroom like I'm a baby. How could this pot, you know, oh, I was just a pawn in this game of this French girl who, oh God, can you imagine wanting to live in France? And she just wanted to come to America. Like as if France is like some sort of third world country that she just had to get out of to seek out better opportunities. No, 
No. <sighs> I'm so glad. I, it looks like we don't have to deal with him next episode, and I'm, I'm thrilled, because I need a break. Let's shoot through these two couples pretty quickly, because there really wasn't much to talk about. Tariq and Hazel, basically, I mean, really what happened? Like, they're in lockdown in Virginia, and it's fine, but it's like, from Tariq's side, he's just feeling guilty that, like, he had all these plans and he made these promises to, excuse me, Hazel to, you know, have a good time while she was doing the visa process and now they really can't do anything so they're stuck in the home. Hazel really has no problem with being at the house, like, she clearly understands, but, um... She's scared because COVID has now hit the Philippines and she got a message from Harry's stepmom who said that Harry had developed a fever and that he wasn't feeling well. And she's upset. And it was really sad to see her upset because, you know, she clearly feels like uh, helpless and she's so far away and she's worried. They're really worried. And she starts to cry. They're in the home gym and she's sitting there crying on that elliptical. And I'm like, Tariq, please like take her off that elliptical. I don't need her to slip and fall on top of this. Like, you know, it's just a lot. It's a lot. (laughs) It's not funny. (laughs) It's not funny. Kara. It's not funny. Okay. So later they find out they FaceTime his stepmom and they found out that he's fine. He's feeling much better. They get him on Harry on FaceTime and he's like being a normal kid and, and seems to be perfectly on the mend. Tariq is like, why don't they, you know, like suggest that you get some orange juice so he can like, you know, get his vitamins up and that'll help him to feel better. And Hazel's like, they can't afford to get him orange juice. And so He's very sweet and he's like, okay, well, you guys are stuck in the house. You can't play outside because they're in lockdown in the Philippines. So he teaches Harry how to do jumping jacks, something that he can do in the home to like get some energy out. And it seems like, you know, things are fine. The only other complication is that Tariq promised Hazel that within a year of her coming to America, that they would try to get Harry to come. But because of COVID, things have really delayed things and, you know, they don't really have a deadline for when they might be able to get him over to the country because everything's been so delayed. That's really it for them. Rebecca and Zied. Rebecca is just like, every moment of Rebecca is just a tour of her insecurities. So they go to dinner with Micah and Tiffany, her daughter and Tiffany's boyfriend so um and then there are a couple other friends hannah being a notable one so they go to dinner and they're you know having a good time and micah asks you know what were what's the biggest difference that you've seen noticed so far in terms of being in america and uh ziad says well you know kissing in tunisia in public is not allowed like if i kissed my girlfriend in public you go to jail for six months. And this little boomhauer friend of theirs in the corner is like, oh, you know what's so crazy? Like, I, you know, I had one of my friends and we were at the Supercross and, you know, we we're outside of the dome and he was so wasted and, and he was like uh, fucking some woman on a bench. So how much jail time would you get for that? <laughs> Calm down, boomhauer. Okay. 
Ziad seems to be adjusting fine. His English is great. He understands what everybody's saying. And, you know, there's Hannah, the friend, sitting in the corner. And she tells the production, like, I've never met somebody from Tunisia or anywhere in North Africa. So it was like, it's just interesting. And you could tell that she's like kind of feeling him kind of interested. And like, you know, she's used to these like Georgian white boys, good old boys. And here's this guy with an accent and it's interesting. And now she's on a TV show. Like maybe she thinks she's cute, but whatever. I mean, she clearly knows that like, this is her friend's mom's fiance. So, they're asking Ziad, like, what do you do during the days? And he's like, you know, I just watch TV and I play my Xbox. Oh, by the way, <laughs> by the way, before they go to the restaurant, uh, Rebecca comes home and surprises Ziad with a pack of um, stick-on transfer tattoos. And it's just like between the fake tattoos and the stuffed animals that she got him the first day he she went back to work on his first day in America. It's like, how old do you think this man is? She treats him like it's her son and mom and dad just got a divorce. And so now she's like just gifting him with all this like random shit to try and make him feel better. And, and to make you forget that dad's not at home anymore. It's weird. It's really weird. Like, she really treats him like a son and not like a partner. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Ugh, it's creepy. She's like, oh, you got a tattoo sleeve. Now you look just like me. Do you want to show it off to all your friends when we go to dinner? And he's like, no, just put on a sweater. (laughs) He treats him like he's 12. It's really weird. So back to the dinner, Ziad's like, Rebecca mentions, you know, um, you know, sometimes during the day, like he'll help move things in the apartment and help us get settled. And um hannah's like oh you know my family has a lot of trucks and so if you need help moving then i'm happy to help you and he's like oh yeah great rebecca side eyes the fuck out of hannah and is like did you just hear what she said and he's like what she's like she asked to help you move and then Ziad's like, oh, yeah, no, no, thank you. Thank you. But like, no, thanks. So Rebecca intentionally makes this whole situation weird. Tiffany, her daughter's like, 
she's just trying to help like what are you doing and rebecca's like well you know in his culture like having a single woman in your home like that is like not allowed and so she now she's turning it into this like cultural thing like it's a no-no for him and like that's just wrong and not the fact that like she's clearly very jealous that this like cute younger woman is maybe flirting with her mercer mayor looking fiance like she gets so tight and hot under that ass of hers and it's just so funny (laughs) she's like i'm looking around and i'm noticing that you know None of these people that I'm sitting with are in my age group. And it's like, well, yeah, that's because you decided to go out with your daughter and her friends. (laughs) Duh. (laughs) So then she gets so annoyed and everybody leaves because she's completely made it awkward. And she turns to Ziad. She's like, did you understand what she was saying? And he was like, what? She's like, you need to realize that you're in another country right now and women are not the same as in your country. Basically, like, she's a slut, a dirty slut who's trying to get to you. And you need to understand that these women are going to try and take advantage of you. Like, girl, he's not like Mario Lopez. Like, (laughs) you know, like, calm down calm down so Ziad's like oh she just asked me a question and I just said yes to be polite like he's stammering like why are you why are we doing this girl like I was just trying to be polite like chill chill lady oh my gosh let's go on to Yara and Jovi Choo-choo, you guys. Let's board the racism train. This was so... (laughs) Woo! White people just be saying everything. They just say whatever. My goodness. So, Yara and Jovi are heading to his parents' house. Down on the bayou to have an engagement party. Why do... They keep taking, um... Ubers, is it because he's drinking or because his drinking has um, not allowed him to have a license? Like, did his license get revoked? I have questions. I have questions. Um, So they're on the way. We know Yara's pregnant. She's very early in her pregnancy. She's not feeling well. She's tired. She's, you know, all of these things, but she can't really say anything because nobody knows. So let's all keep that in mind. So Yara specifically said that she did not want to have an engagement party. She did not want to have any big events without her family there. We're all very clear on that, right? Everybody's very clear on that, especially Jovi's parents, who she's repeatedly said on camera that she did not want to have a big event for the specific reason of not wanting to do something big without her family being present, right? But they're going on their way to an engagement party because Jovi's mom just couldn't let things lie. And she had to bring the fact that they're Cajun into some reason why she had to have a party. Okay. So they get to the house and Jovi's mom, you know, like 
mom was like, you know, I, I know you're not really that excited, but it'll be fun. Have a get together. And Yara yet again has to explain that she doesn't want to do big events without her family present, but she's really happy that it's going to be a small party. And Jovi's mom like, yeah, small. So then we see in a talking head, a confessional with Jovi's parents, because his dad is here. He's back from work. Jovi's mom says, you know, I think we're going to actually be expecting 50 to 60 people, but I didn't tell Yara that. That is not a small party. That's the party that her family would want to go to. Why are they? It's so rude that they're not respecting her. It's so rude. But the rudity continues and escalates and it really just rockets right off of the planet with with this family. (laughs) Horrible. Horrible people. So this is the first time that Jovi and Yara, Jovi's dad and Yara met. So they all sit down and he asks, you know, how she likes New Orleans. And Yara says, you know, it's a little bit scary. And, you know, I feel like I can't really walk around freely. And, And Jovi's dad says, yeah, I mean, there are some areas that you shouldn't walk around alone in. And, you know, I've seen on social media the type of clothes you wear and, those people get the wrong impression real quick. <laughs> what? Yara, Queen Yara. This weirdo says, you know, I've seen pictures of her on Jovi's Facebook and she really dresses sexier than I would like. Um, so? Um, who cares, sir? Who gives a- Dress is sexier than I would like. Okay. That means nothing. That means absolutely nothing. So the producers ask Yara in a confessional, like, what she thinks about it. And Yara says, you know, I think I have great style. And if I want to walk down the street naked, I will absolutely do that. And then she perks up those boobs of hers because she's wearing a V-neck, V-neck top. And she's like, yeah. Fuck you, Jovi's dad. Ugh, come on. So then, back at the house, Jovi's mom asked Yara, you know, did you ever think that you would be in America? And Jovi's dumbass goes, you know, it was her dream to be here before she got here, I think. And Yara's like, being in America was never my dream. Why do you think that? And Jovi's like, oh, you know, because everyone in Ukraine wants to come here. (laughs) And Yara's like, that's not true. And then Jovi's mom turns to her husband, Jovi's dad, and says, you know, a lot of Ukrainian women just try and get a guy to get them to America. And then she turns to Yara and says, am I right? Bitch. (laughs) So Yara says, you know, I really don't love hearing all of these stereotypes about my country. Um, And then she's like, you know, it's like, if I were to say that all Americans were stupid... You wouldn't like that, would you? Well, that shut their ass up real quick. And that's how you clear a bitch. That is how you clear. They didn't say a damn thing after that until they got away from her. So then they're talking about, you know, do you think that you're going to stay in America after you get married? And Yara says, you know, I don't know, but I'm kind of thinking I would want to live in Budapest because it's close to my mom and 
then like this woman can't win for losing you guys think that she's trying to get here to get a green hard card because america the great but the once you hear that she's not really interested in living in america and that she wants to live in europe then you guys have a problem with that so do you want her to stay or not because you're not making her feel welcome so jovi's mom is afraid that they'll lose their son because she'll have because yara's gonna have a hold on jovi Jovi says, you know, it's one step at a time and, you know, Yara really hasn't been in New Orleans very long, you know, long enough or America long enough to decide whether or not she likes it or she wants to stay here. But I don't want to move anywhere cold. Did you ask Yara if she wanted to live next to a swamp for the rest of her life? Like, did you ask her if she wanted to live in a city that, you know, heavily floods because of uh, environmental issues? Did you ask her that? But why is it so okay? Like you all, y'all have to pick one, pick something. Is it that she's trying to get here to America or is it that like, you don't want to move, but she's supposed to make all these concessions for you, but you don't want to move because you're too cold because Budapest is too cold. Fuck off. So then they leave Yara at the house alone. Jovi's mom goes to decorate for the party later, this rager that she's having. (laughs) And Jovi and his dad go to pregame and have a crawfish boil over at his friend's house. So they leave her at home in the house. So they all get in the car because Jovi's mom's going to drop them off and then go do her thing. On the way there, they're so disgusting. Jovi's dad says, is it really safe to leave her alone in our house? Like, then he turns to his wife and says, did you lock everything up? What is she going to take? You think she's going to, what, steal some boudin from you guys? Like, uh, uh, don't worry about your taxidermy alligator. I think she's, she'll be fine. I can guarantee you she doesn't want a damn thing in that house. She doesn't even want to be in the house. (laughs) So don't worry about it. I think your can of grizzly dip, your your bolt cans of grizzly dip are going to be just fine, Jovi's dad. I think you'll be okay. So, Jovi, like, sort of tries to defend Yara by saying, you know, I'm, you know, it, you know, it makes sense that she hasn't really adjusted to America yet because she's away from her whole life and her comfort zone. Uh, good. We're in, um, what, uh, one and a half beer Jovi who is being reasonable, but that goes out the window after the second Bud Light. So once Jovi and his dad gets to their friend's house, they start making predictions like dick conversations. How long they think Yara is going to stay in America? How long you guys think uh, Jovi and Yara are going to get married? One said fr- son, one friend says six months. The other one says, you know, 18 months because, you know, she'll probably want to travel around. She hasn't seen a whole lot of the country yet. So that'll give you guys a little bit extra time. Another friend's like, oh, how long does she have to be married to you until she gets a green card and Jovi's like three years. And so his friend's like, okay, well I give you guys three years in a day, (laughs) three years in a month, but still. So finally one of his friends asks a, I don't know, like not racist, reasonable question. Like Jovi, do you think that you might stop your hard partying ways? Do you think you're going to start being like a responsible person and not get wasted and go to strip clubs every night? Have you thought about that? And Jovi's like, well, don't you guys think like in the past couple of years that I've really calmed down and all of them are like, mm, 
<laughs> not really. So, one of his friends, like, asks the dad, you know, do you like, you just met Yara, do you like her? And he's talking about how upset they are about the possibility of uh, Jovi and Yara moving out of the country. But it's like, again, make her feel welcome. Don't ask her questions like, are you just here for a green card? Or, you know, like, it, it's a stereotype that women try to, why would you tell your future and daughter-in-law? They're like, oh yeah, like, it's, it's, isn't that like a stereotype that most Ukrainian women just try to, like, trap men into coming to America? Why don't you try to make her feel welcome and at home? Then you won't have to worry about the possibility of moving to Budapest because maybe she might like you guys. If you acted like she wasn't just some whore trying to trap your ugly son into marrying her. Have we considered that? Ugh. So, later, Jovi comes back. We have not seen him without a beer in a koozie in his hand this entire episode. Yara's clearly upset. They're getting ready for the engagement party, and she's like, you know that I don't feel good. You know that I haven't really been able to eat in two days. I asked you to bring me back some food. And rather than asking me what it is that I wanted, because you know I have all these food aversions, smell aversions, you came home with a bunch of crawfish. Did you think that I wanted to eat crawfish? <laughs> when I haven't eaten in two days and I can't eat basically anything because of the smell? Did you, did you consider that, Jovi? <laughs> um, so Yara's like, you know, I really just would like to tell everybody that we're pregnant at this party because I don't want it to seem like I'm a bitch. It's like, I'm exhausted. I don't feel good. And I, I know how it's going to come off to people. So like, if we just say that I'm expecting, then that will really take the load off of me completely smart thinking on her part because she already just knows based on his parents reaction to her that like how other people are going to view her so give her an out and help her out he doesn't want to do it and you know okay i get it you guys are still in the first trimester it's still very early into this pregnancy if you don't necessarily want to tell the family fine but Maybe you should at least tell your parents, like, I, I don't know, like, if she's asking for help for you, from you, as your partner, then you should do whatever you can, especially because she's pregnant, to make her feel comfortable. He's sick. So, they get into the car, and they're getting into it because she's hungry, she hasn't eaten, Jovi insists that he asked her what she wanted. She said, you're lying. Like, please stop lying. You did not ask me what I wanted. You came home with a bunch of <laughs> lukewarm crawfish that I didn't want to eat. And then she, like, tries to, you know, give him a kiss. And then she notices that he smells like beer, tastes like beer. And she's like, you know, like, I just, I can't. All you do is drink, like what what is going on here and he was like you know i only had five beers today she's like well you said that three beers ago <laughs> so and so he gets an attitude and he's making all these excuses and yara's like you treat me like i'm stupid and he's like well you're acting like it and she's like what and he's like you're acting like it 
sir, have you looked in the mirror? Have you looked at her? Like, not to bring it into looks, but also bring it into looks like you really should be grateful. He's sick. That's all we see of them. Let's end on (laughs) my girl, my sweet (laughs) Gen X uh, princess, Stephanie, Stephanie and Ryan. So we start off with our two lovers, Stephanie and Ryan, hula hooping on the beach. (laughs) I would die to know where they got these hula hoops, but I don't want to miss out on the magic. It was just a a beautiful... (laughs) Beautiful scene of a woman in her 50s trying to teach a man in his 20s how to hula hoop. Ryan's actually pretty soaked. He's like, you know what? I know that there's like a Guinness Book of World Records that she's trying to beat. And she's really good. Like, I'm confident that she can do it. (laughs) And he's like, mostly he's happy to just be having fun with her where she's not like asking him why he doesn't have sex with her. Um trying to out the fact that she cheated on him with her his cousin um constantly asking why or if he's cheating on her you know all all the hits that stephanie's been giving us so they sit down and put their feet in the water and he starts tricking like you know you've been to so many places around belize like we've been traveling all over the country right and she's like yeah he's like i think it's time that I see where you're from. And I'm really looking forward to touring Michigan. <laughs> like, much like you've been touring Belize. And in a confessional, Ryan says, you know, I don't really know much about Michigan, except it's cold. It has nice restaurants. And I heard the country concerts are off the hook. <laughs> so then Stephanie asks, always, always instigating a fight with this poor Poor man who's got to stuff his hair into like some sort of Mario Batali bandana in order to please her. So Stephanie asked what his mom thinks, Ryan's mom thinks about them. And Ryan's like, well, you know, she's not against it. And Stephanie's like, well, you know, she has me blocked right now. Now we saw earlier in the season that they were having a nice little kiki over FaceTime. So what happened, Stephanie? Apparently, before going back to Belize, Stephanie says she was mad at Ryan for something that she can't even remember now. Typical. And that she told Ryan, you know, your mom doesn't appreciate me and I'm going to call her and ask for all the money that I gave her back. And Ryan's like, well, yeah, she found that pretty offensive. (laughs) Stephanie's like... Well, you know, your mom never said thank you. And Ryan's like, well, it felt like you wanted her to bow down. And a thank you comes from the heart. But Stephanie says that the only reason why she even got a thank you from Ryan's mom is because she reached out to her herself to ask, did you get the money? And Ryan's mom was like, yeah, thanks. She responded, yeah, thanks. And Stephanie's like, you know, telling producers like, You know, I'm trying to keep the lights on and the cable on and a roof over their heads. But if she wants to keep blocking me, that's fine because I haven't sent any money since. (laughs) Ooh, not loving this power dynamic, Stephanie. It's making me very uncomfortable. So then Stephanie is like, Ryan, how many thousands of dollars do you think I sent your family? And Ryan's like, I I don't know. (laughs) Like, what, what do you want him to say, lady? 
And Stephanie's like, well, it was probably a whole hell of a lot. <laughs> she's like, I don't shit money out of my ass. I work hard, Ryan. I work hard, Ryan. And then she makes him tell her that he understands what she's saying. Ugh. Ryan's like, tells production, like, I thought she was just sending us money from her heart. But if she's not, like, I need to break up with her because it's not a healthy relationship. Finally, there's an adult in the room. <laughs> Briefly. Um, so Stephanie later says, you know, everything's better. And, you know, they still haven't had sex yet. And but her tarot card, Maria, <laughs> told Stephanie before she left that there is another woman in Ryan's life. So she's now on the edge. So this man can't get a break for a moment and I have to ask Stephanie when do you want him to have sex with you before you just accuse his mom of not being grateful um after you admitted to fucking his cousin like w at what point in these conversations do you think that he's gonna want to get inside of you Stephanie because I'm not really seeing a, an in no pun intended with that so <sighs> Stephanie's wasted by the way she's been drinking all day She's going to this date <laughs> dressed like Kylie Jenner in a long t-shirt and pigtails. God bless her. God bless her. So they're at dinner and she's like really trying to play the adult here. And she says, you know, like, she says, you know, Ryan, Maria said that we'd get married and move to America, but then you would leave me for a younger woman. And it's like, what do you want him to say about this? First of all, Ryan doesn't, like, he believes that's some, like, voodoo devil shit. And then he's like, you keep bringing Maria up and all these predictions that she's made. So, first of all, I don't believe in that because it's devil stuff. Second of all, I don't really know how you expect me to defend myself when you very clearly have an opinion set because of what Maria told you was in her card. Um... Third, do you ever wonder if maybe you tell Steph, you tell Maria what you give her this information and that Maria just runs with it? Have you ever thought about that? <laughs> all fair questions, all very fair questions. So Stephanie won't give it up. Dog with a bone. And is like, well, you know, Maria also said that you're going to have a baby. And so we know that Stephanie is, you know, she's in her sunset age. And I'm assuming cannot have children at this point. So Ryan says something like, you know, I don't really want to have a baby right now. Um, you know, I want to travel and I really want to live life and I want to do all these exciting things. And Stephanie's like, hold on. Did you just hear what you said? Because you said you don't want to have a baby right now. And he's like, actually, I don't want to have a baby ever. Okay. <laughs> like, what do you want from this man? <laughs> so then Ryan says, how about you just tell Maria to stay out of my business? <laughs> so they go out to the back to their hotel suite. And then we see the screen say four hours later, we don't get any uh, indication of what exactly happened. We just see Ryan getting out of the room. He says, I'm going to get my cab. And Stephanie says, well, with whose money? And she's cursing up a storm and she's running up the stairs and telling Ryan to fuck off and die. <laughs> 
We had no clue as to what happened. Just four hours later, camera crews are scrambling to try and get footage of her screaming in a, a sequined skull jacket, juicy couture jacket. Ryan's out of here. The previews, she ends up calling Harris, the cousin that she fucked, once again to come over and comfort her. And I just, like, thank you, Stephanie. Thank you for giving us the unhinged content that we deserve. I want to end this 90 day to talk about uh, (laughs) Stephanie's OnlyFans. She's got some OnlyFans content. Let's talk about it, y'all. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com So Stephanie has a tip list. Let's just run through the menu, shall we? Um, We'll start off at $5 for a selfie, $10 for a sexy pic, $20 for a topless pic, $30 for a sexy video, $55 for booty shots, $60 for a partial nude video, $100 for a five minute call. I would love to know who wants to listen to that sexy Michigander voice <laughs> that, that, that um, Stephanie has, $125 for a nude pic, $150 for video chat, $150 for a dildo video with censorship, <laughs> and $200 dildo video. What is a dildo video with censorship, y'all? Shout out to my friend Maria for pointing this out. I, I want to know the answer to that, but like, I don't want to see it. I just, what does dildo video with censorship mean? What part is being censored? The dildo? Is it like you're just playing with it? I, I, I don't, I, I got a lot of questions. I got a lot of questions. <laughs> um, I think I was going to talk about um sister wives y'all Woo, we got the season premiere of sister wives that came right after 90 day this week wow what a valentine's day nightmare that was i tell you with no sense of irony that was the best episode of sister wives that i've ever ever seen incredible so this is filmed pre-COVID. Well, it's hard to say because they live in Arizona, right? And, you know, Arizona's been saying fuck all to COVID precautions. So who knows? This could have been in December. <laughs> but we're led to believe that this is like summer of maybe, I think, 2019. 
it does seem like lockdown does happen eventually. <coughs> Ooh, sorry. <laughs> sorry, I thought I thought I paused that and I didn't. My bad. I I, I apologize. That was disgusting. Um, so, <laughs> so, uh, what? Ha- okay. So, really, I mean, I'm just gonna talk about the hits because I didn't write notes for this, and so I don't have a guide to help me, but. I remember the amazing points and this was it. So at some early in the episode, we see Janelle has called a family meeting, family meeting, right? And it's all the wives and Cody. They have been talking about how, you know, since they left uh, Vegas, the family is like 15 or so minutes or 15 or so miles away from each other. And, you know, it's really taking a toll on Cody because he's having to travel. And Christina saying, you know, when he's in each individual house, he has to be really present because he's not there as much as he used to be when they had all the four houses in the cul-de-sac, right? So Janelle calls a family meeting and she says, you know, starts off by saying, like, I'm really nervous. I was, you know, my eyes been twitching. I, I've been really nervous to say this. So she asks everybody, why did you enter into the principal? And everybody kind of is like, ooh, like, deep question. So for those, and I didn't know, and why would I? Janelle explains that the principal is basically like a shortened version of, like, Basically, why did you guys all decide to do plural marriage? She wants an answer from everybody. So Cody starts off by saying that kind of like everybody is unhappy. And he's starting to realize, what are we, damn near 30 years into this plural marriage covenant that he's entered into that maybe it was a bad idea. And that maybe... Because it's only, there's only one of him that the wives are not getting the sort of quality time that they deserve and they want. And that maybe he's put them in a bad situation because they're never going to be satisfied when they only get a quarter of him at a time. But you guys, let's be real here. We know that Robin is the main bitch. She's the HBIC in this uh, plural marriage here. And it, it seems very obvious that it's Cody and Robin's marriage and then everybody else gets leftovers. Like we all see this, right? So then the hits keep coming, y'all. The hits just keep coming. Uh, Janelle tries to rope Mary into something being like, you're unhappy too, right? Remember what you said to me? And Mary's like, mm, skirt. I don't know what you're talking about, girl. Y'all already know that I'm messed up with this relationship and I'm like trying to make it work and we are hanging by the thinnest of LuLaRoe threads here. So get me out of it. Mary says that she genuinely doesn't know what Janelle's talking about. She does not remember this conversation, but you know, who's to say, right? So then Robin, then Robin is like, let's just get the pink elephant out of the room. (laughs) Are you guys saying the, the the whole family is ruined because of me <laughs> like no robin please stop crying everything all roads lead back to robin all roads lead back to my sister wife's closet like she cannot help but make everything about herself it's so 
weird. <laughs> but the thing is, like, she's not wrong. She's not wrong. Are we supposed to act like as soon as she entered in, Christine's fucking postpartum from giving birth to Truly, and now here's this new skinny hot wife, and she's taking up all the space, and uh, there's now all these other kids, and then they have, Cody and Robin have a kid a year into it. We know that Christine was not into this from the beginning. She was very jealous of Robin, was not comfortable with this whole situation. She was the most resistant towards this whole thing, right? We all know that, right? So Janelle's like, no, 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 it's not about you. And she even gets up to hug Robin. Of course, we all have to coddle Sabin Robin about, you know, it's not you, baby girl. We love you. We love you so much in our family culture. And what would we do without you, Robin? Oh, no, you're not doing anything. You're perfect. And oh, my God. Um, there. And then Christine. So it just goes one wife after the other. Then Christine drops the biggest bomb at all. So of all. So I'm thinking this whole time that, okay, clearly Robin and Cody is the main relationship, but then Christine's not too far behind. Like they always gave me vibes of like being attracted to to each other. Like my estimation was like, okay, Robin and Cody are the main marriage. Christine and Cody have like a fun, sexy, flirty relationship. Janelle and Cody have the relationship where he really seems to respect her as a partner, but maybe there's probably not a whole lot of sex going on, but it seems like Janelle's totally fine with that. And then there's Mary. There's Mary alone with her wet bar. And honestly, you guys, like, I think, you know, she's probably rifling through those like tacky ass clothes of hers and drinking little airplane bottles of Moscato and just like having a good time probably listening to like Michael Buble you know what I mean like you see it right so uh, just Christine hits us she's like basically I don't like Cody I don't really like being married and I feel like all of you guys hate me and I'm depressed and it sucks we have, they said, Mary said earlier that they had not seen each, they had not all sat down together as a husband and sister wives in months at this point. This is the first time that they've all seen each other in months. Their relationship is in shambles and Janelle was just like, let's all cut the shit y'all. Like, let's talk about it. Let's talk about how basically <laughs> this whole show has been a farce. We're only together because we're filming that the relationship culture, the family culture was ruined by the move to Vegas. Y'all, they moved to Vegas like season two or season one. So she's basically blowing the whole lid off the whole shit and being like, we've been in shambles. All of us for years. (laughs) This whole 13 season seasons of us acting like we're so happy family and we love living in the cul-de-sac and it's so great for us. Lies. Lies. <laughs> Y'all, I was dying. It was so, so good. I could not believe that Christine thinks that everybody hates her. I could not believe, well, I can believe that Cody was basically like, yeah, she's probably right. It seems like Cody can't stand her ass that Christine called him out for being on his phone whenever they're together. 
And he says, yeah, I basically am because like, it's so tense in there that like, I use my phone as an escape and I'm completely tuned out of my relationship with Christine. Ooh, y'all have to watch this. It was prestige television. (laughs) I was fucking living y'all. And the, the rest of the episode was like, oh, and then, and then Cody's little stringy haired ass was like, well, I'm done eating. So why don't you guys just all figure out your own happiness and work it out amongst yourselves? Because I can't be responsible for the fact that everybody hates me. But it's like, bro, these are like three marriages that are basically saying that are fucked up. So yeah, it's not just the wives problem to try and figure out what's going on you have to be a participant too you have to be an active participant it makes me it is crazy making to hear this man take no responsibility for the fact that he forced his entire family to move out of these houses i mean clearly not that they were happy anyway so i guess part of this doesn't matter but like you have brought your family to the brink of financial ruin Um, Christine's the only one who, uh, owns her house. Y'all still have this property in which you can't build because you just sold the old houses. They're all living in rentals. Nobody's happy. You guys are spending so much money. They still have those damn U-Haul vans that we saw from last season that they're having to pay out the ass every single week because, uh... Robin hasn't gotten confirmation from God that this house that they're about to buy is the actual house that they're buying. So he is like, she's how much money could they possibly be spending, be paying to keep these, the biggest possible U-Haul vans, two of them packed to the brim with their shit, with Robin shit week in and week out until because she refuses to move unpack all that stuff until they've completely signed the papers and she's still on this thing of like i'm still looking at rentals every week every day to maybe see if we can get out of buying this house how much money are they spending that they could be spending building breaking ground on their new house that they their whole dream that they've been allegedly having he takes no responsibility for that no responsibility for the fact that they just moved on a whim and that they really had no plan. And now people hate each other and see each other even less than they did when they were across the street from one another. And then he's just like, fix it. It's your problem. And I'm so tired of everybody blaming me for you saying where we go one, we go all and pulling out blueprints and all this shit oh my god he is a monster he's a monster he's an absolute monster oh my god the only shining light is that we see evie madison's new baby they come over from north carolina to come visit the family that was it and then they were like you know the thing that brings us most together is when the kid the older kids come and then we can we have to act like we're a happy family dark 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 darker zero dark 30 (laughs) i can't believe it it was great it was absolutely great (sighs) it felt nice to talk about something that i actually enjoyed watching thank you guys so much for listening thank me for speaking i'll be back with you guys next week love you bye